So there's this city slicker. And he goes out to visit some of his relatives on the farm. And he goes out to the farm one day, visiting his relatives, and he's having a chat with the farmer. So him and the farmer are talking, and all of a sudden, the farmer, it's getting kind of late in the day, and the farmer lets out a loud whistle. Okay, I'm not very good at that, but the farmer was. And and anyway, the the farmer's dog hears this whistle and starts to corral the, uh, starts to herd the cattle into the corral. And the city slickers stand there amazed, eyes wide open, like, look at this dog, herding the cattle into the corral. Farmer lets out another whistle. Again, terrible whistle. But anyway, uh, lets out another whistle. And all of a sudden, after the cattle are in the corral, the dog closes the gate with his nose and then latches the gate with his paw. The city slicker is flabbergasted. Looks at the farmer and says, that is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. What is your dog's name? Farmer looks at him and goes, you know, I'm a little forgetful. I have a hard time with names. What what do you call that that pretty flower uh, with the pretty smell and it's got uh, uh, thorns on the stem? City Slicker looks at him and goes, you mean a a rose? He goes, that's it. Hey, Rose, what do we call that dog? Oh, the second round, the second wave of, oh, I, I get it. Yeah, okay. Uh, there are six things. According to the survey, there are six things that people tend to forget most often. Uh, 42% of people forget faces. Uh, 49% will forget something that somebody said. 53% will forget um, words. That's it, words. of people will forget a phone number. 60% of people will forget, and raise your hand if this is true of you, they'll forget where they put something. Yeah, I think it's more than 60%. (laughs) 83% of people surveyed, 83% of people surveyed forget names. 83% forget names. That is a lot of people forgetting a lot of names. Uh, God has blessed me with a, a, a memory for names. I can remember names like that. And, and God has really blessed me with that, and I can't take any credit for, for it at all. Um, 83%. Well, today we're talking about names. Specifically, we're talking about your name. Do you ever feel like a nobody? Do you ever feel like like nobody knows your name? Like nobody knows what you're going through? Nobody knows the pain that you have. You ever feel like just nobody knows your name? I mean, you, you, you kind of wish things could be like they were on, on the TV show Cheers. You want to go where everybody knows your, right? You walk in, everybody shouts out your name like they did. You know, Norm, you know, I'd love for that to happen. Walk into church, everybody's like, Sean, you know, that'd be so cool. It's like, hey, Sean's here, woohoo, you know, where everybody just knows your name. And they know what you're going through. And they care enough to remember your name. They care enough to know your name. They care enough to know about what you're going through. You know, I believe that there is someone who knows your name. And his name is Jesus. Jesus knows your name. He knows your name. We're beginning a brand new sermon series today called Face to Face. 
And it's all about one-on-one encounters, face-to-face conversations that Jesus had with people, just one-on-one. And uh, next week, we're going to talk about probably the most famous verse of Scripture, John 3.16. And we're going to talk about the face-to-face conversation that Jesus had with a man when he uttered those famous words and what they mean for us today. He had a conversation with a man named Nicodemus, and he told him those famous words. We'll talk about that next week. But for today, we're talking about your name. And we're talking about how Jesus knows your name. We're talking about uh, a story that takes place on the day of Jesus' resurrection. And it's a face-to-face conversation that Jesus had with a woman who loved him and who followed him. Her name was Mary. And in this conversation in John chapter 20, we're going to talk about how Jesus knew her name and how Jesus knows your name. So if you would grab a Bible, if you brought your Bible, great. Uh, If you didn't bring one, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. Turn to John chapter 20, verses 10 through 18. And we're going to talk today about how Jesus knows your name. Also, grab your bulletin, turn to page 3 in your bulletin. You'll find the handy-dandy outline. That's what I like to call it. We have a, in the bulletin every week, we have the handy-dandy outline. And you can fill in some blanks in just a little bit. Uh, But we're going to talk a little bit about this story and and how we got here. Jesus had been executed at the hands of the Romans. He suffered in his body and in his spirit. He suffered physically. He suffered emotionally. He suffered spiritually while he was on the cross. Jesus suffered in all these ways. And physically, he suffered from the nails that they drove in his hands and in his feet. He suffered at the flogging that they had beaten him. He suffered emotionally as those who were executing him mocked him and spit upon him. He felt like he was all alone. He suffered spiritually as he carried the weight of the sins on the world upon himself. He felt utterly alone on the cross as his father turned away from him due to the sins that Jesus carried on himself. You know, there were some followers of his at the foot of the cross, but many of his followers deserted him. At the foot of the cross stood the apostle John and his mother Mary. Mary's sister was there as well. And another woman named Mary. And Mary Magdalene was there at the foot of the cross. You know, we don't know a a whole lot about Mary Magdalene. There's different theories, different beliefs about who she was. We're introduced to her in Luke chapter 8. I want to read from Luke uh, 8, verses 1 and 2. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. So she was a follower of Jesus. She followed him wherever he went. She was one of the last ones at the foot of the cross. And on Sunday morning, the day after the Sabbath, she was one of the first ones at the tomb. She left very early that morning to go to the tomb. Some scholars believe she may have left as early as 4 a.m. 4 a.m. She was distraught. She was filled with emotion and it was dark when her and some other women went to the tomb after the sabbath was over and they were worried about the stone the romans had rolled a large stone in front of the tomb and they didn't know how they were going to move it and they wondered to themselves how will we ever move the stone they didn't have to for the stone was already rolled away 
the stone had been rolled away from in front of the tomb. And uh, when they saw that the stone was rolled away and they saw that the body of Jesus was no longer there, they ran to tell his disciples what had happened. They ran to Peter and John to say that his body wasn't there. Somebody had taken Jesus' body. They were distraught and overcome with fear and emotion. What would they do? What are they going to do? Jesus is gone. So Peter and John get up and they run to the tomb and they see that it is just as the women had told them. They run to the tomb and they find out that sure enough, Jesus' body isn't there. So the Bible tells us that Peter and John return to their homes. Look at John chapter 20, verses 10 through 13. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. These angels, the angels knew what had happened. They knew. And they say to Mary, why are you crying? But she didn't know. She didn't know what had happened. She didn't know that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Mary doesn't know what's going on, and she believes that someone had taken his body. She came because she wanted to give Jesus a proper burial. She wanted to uh, prepare his body for, for burial. And then she sees someone else. Look at verse 14. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. She reaches out and she grabs Jesus. She embraces him. And he says, do not hold on to me. He's not saying don't touch me. He's saying do not hold on to me. You have to let go now. I have somewhere to go. And I need you to go tell my followers. I need you to go tell the disciples what happened. And so she goes and tells Peter and John and the disciples. There are two things that, Pete, that Jesus knows about Mary in this passage. Two things that he knows about her. The first is he knows Mary's pain. She sees that he's, he sees that she's crying. And he speaks to her in her pain with a gentle voice and a voice that is full of compassion. He does not rebuke her. He does not speak to her in a condescending way. Rather, his voice is full of compassion and gentle grace. And he comforts her by letting her know that he cares. The first blank on your outline is, he knows your pain. Jesus knows your pain. Let's face it. Life is hard. Life is hard. And life is full of pain. It really is. You feel like no one knows. You feel like no one cares. Life is hard. Everybody has it. 
Everybody's life is hard. Everybody's life is full of pain in one way or another. And you may feel like the crushing weight of pain is more than you can bear. It may be physical pain from a broken body. Your body just doesn't work the way it used to. Or you're sick. You've got a disease. And no one knows how to cure it. Your body's broken. And you have physical pain. Or it could be emotional pain. You feel like you're all alone. You feel like some like people have abandoned you. Your heart, your heart is broken. Your emotional pain. It could be spiritual pain. Pain from knowing that you have all this guilt and, and unresolved guilt and shame. And you feel like God is disappointed in you, that he's angry with you. And you feel like you just don't measure up and you're full of spiritual pain. And no one knows what you're going through. No one knows the kind of pain that you're in. And you don't know how much longer you can manage. I have good news for you. Jesus knows your pain. Jesus knows your pain. And you, mu- you may wonder to yourself, well, why doesn't he do something about it? Why doesn't he take away my pain? He can do that. Jesus can alleviate your pain. He can. He doesn't always. Why? I don't know. But I know that if he doesn't take away your pain, he can comfort you in it. He can give you comfort and peace even in the midst of pain. He can comfort you in your pain. And how does he do that? He can comfort you by his presence. The Bible says that God's Holy Spirit is a comforter. And he can comfort us in our pain when we hurt. Whether we are in emotional or physical or spiritual distress or in some combination of those three, God can comfort you by his presence. And not only that, but he can comfort you by his promises too. I believe that the Bible is full of promises that God can comfort us with and that God can can give us comfort in the midst of pain by his promises. Revelation talks about the promise of eternal heaven, uh, eternal life in heaven. And you may wonder, what is heaven like? This is what Revelation 21, 3 through 4 says. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away, this is our hope, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. No more pain. That is a promise that God has made. No more sadness, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more death, no more pain. That is what heaven will be like. That's the promise of God. Jesus knows your pain and he sees you in your pain and he cares about you in your pain and he can comfort you in your pain by his spirit by his presence and by his promises but Jesus didn't just know Mary's pain he knew her name too And he said her name. He called her by name. And she knew his voice. 
he called her by name and she knew his voice. And she called out to him, my teacher, Rabboni, in Aramaic. Jesus knows your name too. He knows your name. That's the second blank on your outline. He knows your name. You know, it is great to know. It is a wonderful thing to know that God loves us and cares for us. It is great to know. It's wonderful to know that he, he cares for us and he knows our pain. But it is wonderful to know that he knows our name, that he knows your name. In John chapter 10, verses 2 through 4, Jesus talks about himself as being the, the good shepherd. He says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And then in verses 14 and 15, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus knows his sheep. He laid down his life for his sheep. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he suffered and died. That's why he took the nails. That's why he took the crown. He went to the cross and he suffered and he died for our forgiveness so that we could be set free from sin, so that we could be set free from the eternal consequences of our sin, so that Jesus could take the punishment for our sin. He took away our sin. That's why Jesus did what he did. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why he suffered and died, so that we could be forgiven. And he, he went to the cross for his sheep. He died for his sheep. And he knows every single one of them. Does he know you? Does he know your name? Are you one of his sheep? Does Jesus know your name? There's a book. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And it's talked about in Revelation 20, verse 12. It says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. Is your name in the book? A day of judgment is coming. There is a day of judgment coming, and we will all stand before God. And there are two outcomes of judgment. Heaven and hell. Heaven and hell. Revelation 20:15 talks about what hell is what about about hell. It says anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. That's hell. And Revelation 21:27 tells us that only certain people go to heaven. Only those whose names are written in the lamb's book of life. The question I have for you is is your name is your name written in the lamb's book of life? That is the most important question you will ever answer. The most important question you will ever answer is your name written in the Lamb's book of life. This is how you can know. You want to know? This is how you can know for sure. You have to believe. The Bible has a very clear plan of salvation, very simple plan of salvation. You have to believe. Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died for your sins. You need to repent, which simply means to turn away from sin and to turn to God for forgiveness. Because you don't want to live for sin anymore, you want to live for Jesus. You need to confess. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth 
that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. We need to confess publicly that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And then we need to be baptized. And we get baptized by immersion. We are submerged under the water, and our sins are washed away. And we are made clean, and we are washed clean from our sins. That is how you get your name written in the Lamb's book of life. And the Lamb will write your name in his book of life. And the good news is it's not written in ink. It's written in his blood. And Jesus writes your name in blood in the Lamb's book of life. And he will never forget your name. You know, someone may forget your address. They have to Google it. Someone may forget your phone number. They've got to look it up in the phone book. People still use phone books? They'll find it in their cell phone. That's what we do. They may forget your face. They may forget your name. But Jesus never will. He will never abandon you. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. And when he puts your name in his book, no one can take it out. So I offer a challenge every week. And my challenge for you today, my challenge for you today is to consider your next step of faith. What is your next step of faith that you need to take? Maybe it's the first step. Maybe it's like, you know what, I got to know more about Jesus. Before I can take any other steps of faith, I need, to, I need to figure out who Jesus is. Like Brian talked about in his video, he had to get things straight in his mind to figure out who Jesus is and what Jesus did and, and how it affected his life. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you need to figure out what Jesus did for you. Let's have a conversation. You know, we can get together. We can sit down and talk for a while and, and figure out, okay, who is Jesus and, and what does he mean to you? Maybe your next step of faith, maybe you believe in Jesus. You believe that he died for your sins, and, and you're ready to repent from sin. You're ready to confess your faith. You're ready to be baptized. You can do that today. I, I didn't come ready to get baptized today. If you're ready, we're ready. We have warm water. We have warm clothes. We even have a hair dryer. It's true. If today is your day, don't wait a day longer. Maybe your next step of faith is to get involved. Maybe your next step of faith is to take your faith more seriously. You come today and you're thinking, you know what, I need, I need to do better. I need to, I need to get more involved in church. I need, to, I need to come more often. Or I need to start reading my Bible more. I need to start praying more. Maybe that's your next step of faith. You've been baptized, but, but now it's time to, to take your faith more seriously. Maybe that's where you need to be. You know, let me tell you what. Griffith First Christian Church is a great church family to grow with. It is a great church family to come and become a part of and to grow in your faith here with us. And we want you to do that. We want you to feel at home here. We want GFCC to be the church family for your family. We want you to become part of our family. Well, maybe your next step of faith is to invite somebody to journey along with us. Maybe your next step of faith is to get somebody, to invite somebody to come to church or maybe to share your testimony or to share your faith with someone. My challenge for you today is to consider, what is my next step? What is the next step of faith that I need to take? Are you ready to take that step? Today is the day.